Welcome to Radio. My name is Ross Drakes and I'm your host. Radio is a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. It's been 900 days since the first case of COVID in China. And to many people I talk to, the world feels like it's ready to just move on and forget. But we live in a world that the impact of this is going to be defining our world for the next few years. And in this podcast, I want to share the stories of the amazing entrepreneurs that I meet who faced this global pandemic and actually stood up and did really interesting things when most people were just sort of hiding at home and waiting for the whole thing to pass. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to uh, a good man, a man who I know really well because we're on the GLA together, Aaron Lee, who's the founder and CEO of Illuma Agency. He's the co-founder of Pythos. He's the regional chair for the U.S. East and a proud South Florida EO member. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you, Ross. Lovely intro. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody who's been on this podcast. Can you give me your pre-COVID elevator pitch and your post-COVID elevator pitch? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, so pre-elevator uh, or pre-COVID elevator pitch was uh, I was a founder of uh, Aluma Agency. We're a digital marketing agency focusing on franchise brands. And um, that, that's what most people would get if they asked me what I was doing. And uh, I'd say post-COVID, um, I'm a, a bit of a lost creative soul looking for a new place to, to focus his passion and his purpose. That's quite an intriguing uh, elevator pitch. Like I want to know more, and uh, I think <laughs> well, we should. We'll we'll dig. Good into elevator that. pitch ought to do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, can you talk? I just before we get into COVID, I'd love to understand your sort of entrepreneurial journey. How did you yeah. end up founding Illuma? Like, was it the first thing you did? Can you take us back and and share a little bit of your story? Yeah, so Aluma is uh, 21 and a half years old now. Uh, I was a I was a chief marketing officer for a uh, an internet startup in the late 90s, early 2000, uh, when it you know went rolling off of the cliff. You know, in a, in a flaming parachute, I jumped out, and uh, uh, I had about a week you know notice to kind of realize like this thing was not going to keep going, and you know all this the stock options that I had, uh, were worthless and, um, came home to my wife and, you know, she said, just follow what's in your heart and do, do what you believe. And I was 30 years old at the time. You had, you know, house, two kids, two cars, the typical suburban, you know, lifestyle. And, uh, first there's just something in my, I always knew I wanted to have my own agency. Mm. Um, but it wasn't like I was prepared to start one financially. Uh, so, uh, I just started calling people and I, you know, with, I was calling people I used to work for and I was calling, you know, just people that I met along the way. And, uh, within a couple of weeks I had people saying, all right, well, I've got this project you could help me with. And, 
you know, kind of one thing led to another, and all of a sudden I had enough cash flow to kind of satisfy all our bills for you know, three to six months coming in. And I was like, no, maybe maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And it's kind of what I wanted to do, if I'm being completely honest. Like it was kind of where my my head was leaning, my heart was pulling me, and just started as a freelancer working out of my bedroom. And you know, kind of one thing led to another, and it was all organic, right? Like there was no plan. It was just you know, uh, I like to tell people the first 10 years I was in business before I joined EO, the business plan was don't go out of business. <laughs> that was as elaborate as it got. Right. And, you know, we, we grew it, we got into, you know, I had a few employees, um, we got off on our own office space and, um, really started to, um, become more organized. And someone introduced me to EO Accelerator at that time. And as soon as I heard about it, I was like, yes, I'm in. <laughs> that's exactly what I need. And uh, that's kind of where things really started to shift and my mindset started to shift. And from, you know, uh, sort of owning a job to being an owner of a business uh, and starting to think differently about, you know, the whole thing. And that's where I think, you know, the entrepreneur in me was like, don't think about the risk, just move forward and, and you know, uh, follow your passion. And that was kind of where I started. And um, then I got better at being a business owner once I got into EO and started to learn like, you know, how to, how to actually scale and, and do things like that. So, um, and yeah. And so now here we are, we're 21 years later and, uh, uh, I'm at sort of the other end of that journey. That's, I mean, I love this idea of owning a job. I think that is such a, a big difference. And one of the things that's, I think EO ignited in me too is understanding the business and being inspired by and challenged by all the different aspects of running it as opposed to just doing a thing that you happen to have done for a while and have managed to turn into a consistent source of uh, income and potentially staff and that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I like to say back then the business owned me. <laughs> so so how did you find that clarity around helping uh, sort of you know you were like franchises like how did you discover that because you know i own an agency nice work and for many years we did basically anything legal or even semi-legal that would pay and you know I right. think <laughs> saying no isn't something that kind of falls naturally into an agency environment because yeah. clients are always like, oh, can't you just do the, the in, in store or can't you just do the yeah. PR? Yeah. Can't you just, and you extend and panel beat your services out and out and out until you have something you don't really recognize as what you, you chose to start out doing. Yeah. I, I fought against being in a niche uh, just because I felt it really constrained um, sort of the, my creative soul. Uh, and I think, uh, as I got into EO and started to look at kind of, again, separating myself from the business and looking at the business as its own sort of entity that was, um, independent from me. Um, you know, I'm not just sitting around and talking to other entrepreneurs in the forum and, and having this conversation and realizing like they didn't have the same relationship to their business that I did. I was like, you described, it's like, you're just, you're in it completely and it, it's kind of consuming at times and so part of 
getting into EO and starting to look at things differently was sort of stepping back a little bit and just trying to gain some perspective. And um, I, so the thing that really uh, was a catalyst for change for me was I was uh, in EO. I'd been an accelerator for a year and then I was in EO for about six months and I was in the Mediterranean on a cruise with my wife and my mother and last day of the cruise, we went, um, we were in, in Naples. My mother's like, you've got to go to the Amalfi coast. I'm like, mom, I spent all the excursion money already. Like <laughs> I'm going, I'm doing the $75 Pompeii tour and we're done. She's like, no, 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 you got to go. You got to go. I'll pay for it. I'm like, all right, fine. So, uh, we ended up down in, in Positano, Italy and Positano is now one of my singular favorite places on earth. Uh, and, that day I was, I was so struck by like how beautiful and serene and peaceful and uh, idyllic this, this little town was on the, you know, the cliffs of the Amalfi coast. And um, I, we had like two hours there on this tour. And so uh, we were getting ready to get back on the bus and I'm standing there in this, in this uh, courtyard in front of the, the, the church there looking out over the, the bay and my wife's standing next to me and it just like this lightning bolt hit me and I'm like, all right, now I know what I want from my business. I want to be able to come back here in 10 or 12 years and spend six weeks here with you. And at the end of the six weeks, I want to be able to turn to you and say, do you want to spend another six weeks here? Because I knew that if I could ask that one question, that would be more important than saying yes to one more client I didn't want or whatever. Like I had to figure out how to make the business answer that question versus the other way around, right? And so that became my North Star of like decision-making. And so that's, I knew that the business I had, the way I was running it, wasn't going to accomplish that. And I had to make some kind of changes, which meant I would sell the business or get to the business to a scale that like it would allow me to not need to be in it on a day-to-day basis. And so as I thought about scaling, you know, what I realized was the agencies that picked a niche were the ones that were able to really scale. And we had, you know, we had started working in franchising, but um, we actually had bought an agency a few years later that had some franchise clients mm-hmm. and the light bulb just kind of went off for me that like, you know, scaling and helping all these franchisees grow their businesses there was hundreds of them and thousands of them right and then all of a sudden that became something that we could build processes around and standardize and and allow us to scale and grow Mm. Um, and that was that's really kind of how we shifted into into that niche and uh, then in 2008 we rebranded 2018 we rebranded as a limit agency and went all in on it and just said we were going to be a franchise marketing so now like 80% of our revenue comes off some, you know, franchise based client of, of some type. It's amazing how, I mean, and I'm going to go on record to say that it's niche and not niche. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that debate can rage for many years uh, uh, beyond this point. We're going to talk about gifts and gifs too <laughs> in this, this episode. Or? Um, that's easy. It's, it's gif. I mean, Thank you. (laughs) Um, It's it's always interesting how you know a lot of the creative people I speak to are so resistant to the concept of a niche, and not even the reality of what that means. It's like I don't want to be constrained in any way, shape, or form. But I think 
most of the really great work and the really successful people have come out of constraints. They haven't come out of do anything. He has unlimited budgets, go mad. Those are often the things that end up being kind of mediocre and made for many. But those movies when people are like, yeah, Quentin Tarantino, here's $200,000. I bet you can't make a movie. And he's like, well, here you go. You know, this is an amazing movie. It's Reservoir yeah, Dogs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we're yeah. going to do yeah. one room, five, six actors, and like eight angles, and boom, you've got one of the best movies of all time. As opposed to, yeah. you know, I watched Thor, God of Thunder, <laughs> yeah. or whatever the other day, which yeah, I think has yeah. $600 million budget. And I can't even remember what it was about it was just lights flashing at me and you know really muscled men throwing hammers around it was a very bizarre experience making like weak jokes yes so so you've actually embraced this thought of a constraint and and built a business around it yeah and so here's here's the covid part of that story right Mm. so we were um we were then a niche within a niche also. So one of the, um, the clients that was really the catalyst for this growth, uh, was a, a large, uh, and growing, uh, fitness concept, boutique fitness concept, uh, orange theory fitness. Uh, we really scaled with them. And then, you know, as, as they continue to be successful, it, it led to organic, you know, Oh, well, whoever's doing the marketing for them, we wanted to, so we had this sort of niche in health, wellness, beauty, fitness, um, uh, within the franchise space in particular. Um, so, you know, hair salon franchises and massage franchises and like all of these sort of personal services and businesses that did phenomenally so, well during COVID. Yes. 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 So, uh, between March 15th and March 18th, I lost 95% of my revenue. Wow. Cause they all closed. And uh, it was actually kind of also a, a double hit because they all closed mid-month. We bill everybody at the beginning of the month. So we were, we had money collected oh. that we basically, you know, had to spend on saving other things just to kind of keep the doors open. Um, but then owed all, you know, a bunch of money back to people once they eventually reopened. So like, you know, that, that money uh, definitely took a hit. But we, we scaled down to a skeleton crew from we had 20 something people at the time full time um you know w2 employees um and scaled down to you know nobody was full time there would you know there was about four or five of us working part time i wasn't taking any salary right and just um we got through until we had um some of the the ppp money came in uh in the us here was you know part of the, the government funding to save employment essentially and i ironically we landed a couple of clients and we had one client that was sort of covid um you know unaffected they were an outdoor venue so it was actually their business actually picked up as a result of of other things being closed and so they quintupled their spend with us uh just a few months later and so it was enough to kind of like 
justify bringing people back in to work and using the PP phone. You know, we had money, we had things for them to work on and we had money to pay them with until kind of the, the ball got rolling again and slowly but surely people started reopening. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was, uh, but I mean, there were, I, I was doing a walk and talk every morning, just calling random, yo know, friends and people that I'd met just to kind of keep my head straight because I, I was, uh, it was, uh, as fearful and as, as fraught as, as I'd ever been in my life uh, about this whole thing. And, um, you know, some people suggested, well, you should probably just file bankruptcy and just call it a day. And I was like, I just can't, you know, I just can't let it go mm. because of this. And uh, so we fought back. We got through 2020 and 2021 was a really great year for us. Um, and, you know, really got back to almost our full size and, uh, but changed a lot about the business, you know, as a result. Um, went totally virtual like a lot of people did. And so learning how to, like, go from this, like, really close-knit agency culture, you know, where everybody was kind of in this open office environment to, like, now we're spread to the wind and uh, trying to figure out how to kind of keep that that vibe going. And it, it's different. Hmm. I mean, uh, like, uh, of many questions, the, the first one is, how did you <laughs> – you know, how did you make that decision to sort of cut that many people that quickly? Like, that can't be an easy choice to make, um, you know, even though it seems with hindsight to be a fairly obvious one. Yeah, you know, I, I early on uh, in, in EO, I'd, I'd heard um, another member give a talk who had, you know, exited and, but had gone, you know, ridden the, the entrepreneurial roller coaster uh, up and down and around and around. And, uh, you know, one of the things he said is, you know, when you need to cut, cut fast and, and cut deep uh, when you see, as soon as you think you need to. And uh, as soon as it, like within a week, and I realized like, oh, this is real. Mm. Like there is no version of this where I didn't lose 95% of my revenue. And, you know, we had some cash reserves, but my, my, I knew that the cash reserves wouldn't outlast the closures hmm. and, you know, I could keep people on for, for a certain amount of time, but it was going to be to know, you know, like it was just prolonging a, a hard decision and a difficult conversation. And I think the one thing that made it um, easier on me was just sort of just realization that like this was an existential circumstance that like you know we're all dealing with this it's not like i made a really bad decision you know and then uh it was it was all my fault i mean there was listen we all had uh responsibility mm-hmm. as as business owners to like you know what condition were we in and it was a, it was a hard lesson to kind of be self-reflective and say could i have been doing things differently that wouldn't have put me in this spot but it's it's hard to say in hindsight right that you know we were doing the best we could with what we had and uh, but yeah it was it was really hard to to tell people that i really care about and enjoy working with on a day-to-day basis and respect that like sorry there's just i got nothing mm. i mean it's you know 
there was not a business school on earth that was telling you to have two years worth of cash flow <laughs> built up you know it's like yeah. a, a war yeah. chest it's only kind of apple and maybe amazon that has enough cash to just sort of do nothing for a long period of time and be okay so yeah. I, I totally understand yeah. that but now yeah so go ahead well, you you were going to say something. I'm, I'm I was going to move on to to Pythos to Pythos. Pythos, yes. Uh, so Pythos, I'll, yeah, we'll jump in there. Um, Pythos was born uh, shortly after the pandemic started. So uh, my son is a professional video game uh, competitor. Uh, so he is a, an esports professional uh, playing uh, EA Madden and had been at this for a couple of years now he was you know highly ranked he came out of uh, out of high school and into college became the number one player in the world so uh, we uh, allowed him to, to kind of go down that that path and and, and see what was down that road and that uh, was really where his passion and his, his concentration was and so uh, one thing led to another and uh, we were in a, uh, a meeting with a mutual friend and uh, it started off as this conversation of, you know, we have this city's parks and rec department that's looking to create some kind of online esports club for their kids uh, to help, you know, uh, elevate kids from doing things they shouldn't be doing in free time to maybe something more productive and uh, helping expose them to, uh, you know, video games is not just a hobby, but as a, as a, as a, as a profession and a career potentially. And so Pythos really became this platform that we've built over the last couple of years to um, bring professional talent, so people like my son Matthew, to uh, coach and develop curriculum uh, around not just how to play the games, but how to be a professional uh, in, in this world. Um, so content development and, you know, sort of all of these mm. layers in this ecosystem. Um, and bring a structured way to, you know, my, my son's path to esports was, uh, uh, you know, you just get good enough and then you end up being a professional, right? There is no like this in between stage of like nurturing, like, you know, most organized youth sports has these multiple stages and gates that you go through, you know, each with sort of this escalating level of coaching and mentoring and training and, and so on. And just none of that exists in this, this world. Um, and as I got to see with him, like, this is a really, so like the entrepreneur in me is the light bulbs are going off and going, um, this is a massive market that has, that is in its early stages. Mm. It's really, um, that generation consumes entertainment and thinks about these things very differently than my generation does. And they're, this is going to continue to grow and expand. And so, we built this platform to essentially um, make it easy for people who are not in esports, so schools or cities that want to offer this as an extension of their programming um, to kids who are really in demand of it. They really want this kind of you know curated, uh, professionalized experience to help them get better and, and feel productive at what they're doing mm. and feel like they can be competitive. And a lot of kids that, that compete in esports don't that's probably the first time they've competed in anything like they don't, they aren't also generally <laughs> out on the soccer pitch or playing basketball or right. Like this is, this is where um, 
they're they're getting that first taste of that, but there's really no one there to guide them, and it could be kind of a toxic environment, you know, left to itself. Um, and so that's what it's all about. Uh, and we're we're still building it. We're still trying to find our you know our market fit. Um, who's our right customer? How do we approach it? And uh, you know, uh, taking it slow until uh, we you know find that exact lane that we want to be in, and then you know do what we're going to do. I mean, I find it really inspiring that you have kind of energy during the pandemic when things are as bad as <laughs> they are to to lean yeah. in with your son and build something with him. What was the decision-making process like to get there from, you know, like uh, this part of my life is in chaos. Let me join you and do something different. You know, I think part of it was um, I needed a distraction from sort of daily bad news. I needed something else to kind of put my uh, my heart and my energy into that um, was creative, right, in nature. And I know that's a, a, uh, I did some work with with a, a specialized forum I'm in uh, that's called the Big Hairy Audacious Purpose Forum. Uh, and all we do is work on our, our why and our purpose. And, and I, I got really clear on my purpose statement, which is to harness love and creativity to transform the future. And, you know, my day-to-day of the agency at that time didn't feel like much of, I got to use much of that, <laughs> right? And so Pythos became something that was, was an opportunity to kind of um, help some kids become something that they may not have realized they could and, you know, find a purpose for themselves in life and be really creative with my son and my partner and trying to come up with something. And, you know, it's, it, the every entrepreneur is a problem solver. I saw a problem and I couldn't help but try to, you know, go, go grab the tools in the toolbox and start banging away at something to, mm. to try to, to solve a problem. And, um, you know, the, there's, I get a lot of those ideas all the time, but, the opportunity to maybe do something with cool with my son and in a completely different area professionally than I'd ever been in um, was, was kind of exciting and, and interesting to me. So that's, that's kind of how it kept motivating me to, to keep working on this thing. That's super cool. And what are some of the challenges that you've had working with your son as opposed to a, a business <laughs> partner? Cause now you've moved from a, father son kind of dynamic to potentially being more equal more balanced in the say and the opinion and i suppose in a way he might even know more about everything than you do because he's got all the like hands-on <laughs> yeah. experience yeah yeah it's it's been an interesting it's it's actually been a lot of fun uh i've um seeing his mind work professionally and having these conversations um, has, has been really, uh, it's, I've been proud, right? I mean, just, I'm a proud dad to, to kind of see this kid, um, who we used to complain about how much he was playing video games, take something so seriously and have a passion for it and have a real, um, unique context for it, uh, that, that he actually came up with the name, right? Like, I mean, you know, we, he's, uh, He's been really instrumental in helping me see some things, uh, not just about, you know, he even helps me, he consults on my 
agency now as well too. Like you know, like he's he's always having some insight that that I find really interesting. It's great. It's a great perspective. It's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been a hell of a lot of fun to just uh, do something together with him and and uh, to see him. Like I said, not just as that, like you said, a father son, but you know, professional to professional kind of mindset. And you know, I certainly bring something to the table there, but but his contribution has been really fascinating and fun. I think you've, you know, as a parent, and I remember when you told me about this years ago that he was a professional games player or esports athlete, as it's been kind of rebranded. Yes, you know, you've you saw this as not just a waste of time and each one of these players is like a miniature media company. They manage a fan base. They often have discords. They're producing content. They're live streaming. They have merchandise. They have live feeds of who's given them a a subscription or a like or a, you know, they're managing this thing on multiple levels whilst playing a game at the highest right. possible level it, you know I'm, yeah. I'm actually quite blown away at the level of of thinking and the rapidness of decision making that a lot of these players can do at the same time maintaining a personality and being able to communicate yeah. with an audience yeah. I, I think it's well, definitely underrated yeah. as a skill the the first time um so at 18, he started competing and he started traveling around the country, going to different tournaments and uh, we weren't going with him. You know, he, you know, I had my agency and he was doing his thing and uh, it was great experience for him. He's not someone who enjoys flying and he, you know, I, that alone sort of showed me his commitment. He like, he really hates flying, um, but he was flying himself around the country and meeting up with friends and figuring things out and, and, um, but one of the first events that was locally here um, was with the Miami Dolphins. And we, we went into the, the stadium and they were getting all set up and, you know, kind of ready to, to get going. And uh, the NFL Network was broadcasting there uh, for this event. And when he I was walking in the room behind him <clears throat> and the, the guys in the, the NFL broadcast booth stood up and like, Matt's here. And I was like what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> right? Like, you know, it was just, it was sort of this role reversal of like, wow, this kid's got like, you know, it's not just like a couple of kids in the audience. Like it was the guys behind the broadcast would have mm. at the NFL network, like excited to see my son walking in the room. It's like, what, what is actually, and that, I think that was one of those realizations of like, yeah, he's, he's operating at multiple levels at a high, in, in multiple areas at high levels. And, um, was very comfortable. He goes, no, I love when the camera's on me. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know, and he, he's, he's not a really, like, typically you wouldn't think, you know, at a, at a family event, he's, you know, comfortable talking in the corner to a couple of people. Like, he's not the, the social, you know, charisma butterfly uh, in most situations. But, man, when, when the camera's on and he's, he's there to do a job, he's, he's all about it. That's amazing. So... So now I want to sort of 
carry on this this arc of realizing what's important to you and what yeah. what is where you should be spending your time um you you shared something with me before we hit record as to where you're at with uh the agency can you talk a little bit about kind of the the follow-on from cutting down, surviving through it, and then building up through a successful year. Where are you at now with the, the agency, Aaron? Yeah, um, it's what I found was the mission of saving the company and turning it around. Um, when I when I sort of accomplished that mission and set about thinking about what now what, um, you know, we were twenty years in at that point, and um, I just found that what I had built had had created a big distance between what I was originally passionate about. And what it had become mm. in in servicing only the growth, right? Like so, I I personally had to give up a lot of my what I enjoy doing on a day to day basis to be what the business needed of me to continue to scale and grow, right? So um, to be the CEO meant that most of my duties were around business development, and I would find ways to be a creative problem solver as a consultative sales person, right? Like, so um, that I found a way to be creative uh, by selling uh, and the way that I would sell. Um, But for the most part, what I found was that I didn't, I'm not enjoying um, what I do on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, that's a dangerous place to pretend to be. Mm. That, you know, pretending to, to care more than you do uh, when so many people depend on you. And uh, again, you know, what's kind of been in the back of my head is this idea, uh, this, this why that I've gotten very clear about of harnessing love and creativity to transform the future and how little time I get to do that when I'm being the CEO of a little agency. And... Um, you know, my, my pre <laughs> career passion was really uh, to be a storyteller. And, uh, what I found is that I, I just, you know, listen, you could back it yourself and convince yourself into anything, right? Like at the end of the day, like I can come up with all sorts of justifications and say, well, we're helping tell the brand stories of these great franchises and, but I, I've realized that like I'm just I'm just telling myself a lie, right? Like I just I don't really have that that fire uh, that I used to. And so I I actually went with some friends out to the Telluride Film Festival uh, maybe three weeks ago or so. Uh, and when I was out there, I, I had a, a about a five hour drive from the airport with my wife to to get to the to Telluride, which is kind of way out <laughs> in the corner of Colorado and. Uh, you know, the, this this idea occurred to me on the way there and, and we talked about it the entire way. And, you know, I, 
I've always sort of felt like I had this responsibility to be a provider, to take care, like I'm always taking care of other people. And uh, what got really clear in that conversation was that it was actually time to take care of me um, and, and start to you know, kind of put myself first in terms of what, why I was here <laughs> and what gets me out of bed in the morning. And so just made a decision that I'm, I'm ready to, to go figure that out. And, and I think, you know, the, the idea of, of being an entrepreneur, like you always have this, this fantasy of an exit, like, you know, you're going to walk away with millions of dollars and be able to like go pursue whatever passions and dreams you've always wanted to do. And I, I kind of had been keeping that carrot out in front of me for many, many years. Mm. And I've got close enough to kind of get a, a nibble on the carrot, <laughs> but never really the whole carrot. And so I'd kind of like put the carrot back out in front of me again of like, well, if I had enough money, I'd have enough time to go do the things I really want to do in life. Um, and I think what's really occurred to me is like that the time is getting shorter uh, and I don't necessarily need to have, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow to go do those things. And so uh, came back and spoke to a, a, one of my oldest yo buddies who's also got an agency and he's in growth and acquisition mode. And, we had a very short conversation and uh, he said, well, I think it's time. You know, we've talked about it for years and, and I think it's time. And uh, so yesterday he sent me over his, we've been going back and forth on a very, very friendly negotiation. And, and I'm expecting to get a letter of intent for him to buy the agency uh, later today. And uh, I'm mixed about it, right? Like, you know, it's 21 years. It's sort of defined me. You know, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur and not have this like crazy big exit and, and have, you know, be a leader in EO and not, you know, have this like that story to tell. But I, I've also realized like I'm telling maybe a more important story with what I'm doing and um, about not just the, the money isn't the source of the happiness. It's about doing something that you're here to do and that you're passionate about and that you love and you feel good about every day. And, and maybe that's more important than having, you know, all, all, all the big cash in the bank to, to be able to say, screw you, I'm going to do what I want to do. Mm. Um, so that's, that's where we're at today. That's, that's the real time reveal. That's, I mean, that's an amazing sort of journey that I think you've gone on. And it's interesting that's, you know, you were, when you, you said to me, you started and you believed it was the thing that you had to do was to own your agency and you weren't quite ready to do it yet, but you did it anyway. Now at the kind of end of that journey, <laughs> yeah. you're saying that it's what you need to do and you're not quite ready for it, but you're not sure if you'll ever you know, like if you're ever going to reach a point where you're like, ah, now is the perfect yeah, point right. to press this this button, and it just has to happen when you are ready, and that's the right time. Yeah, and I'm and I'm very fortunate because my wife's response was the same now as it was 21 years ago, which is, you know, you've got to follow what's in your heart, and and you know, we I asked her the question about 20 different ways, and realized that she actually was sincere <laughs> and she meant it uh, and uh, that, that she trusts us to, you know, to work this out, figure it out. And, uh, um, you know, I've, I've an animated film that I've been wanting to produce for, uh, I, 
embarrassed to say more than a decade. It might even be you know twenty years now. Mm. And I'm gonna go do that now. Like I'm just gonna make that thing happen, and kind of let you know that's gonna be the first story I put out there and in a meaningful way. And and uh, this will give me the opportunity to do that and um, let you know just let it go from there and not. Uh, you know, part of, everybody's been asking me, like, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And I think I need to not know, honestly. <laughs> um, I think I need to not know for a little while. Like, this is one thing that, like, I need to get done because it's been, you know, just ready to start. Like, it's it's right at the starting line to get, but it's been at that line for, and races have been run. And uh, so I need to get this thing out. But I think I need to not know what's next and just kind of let things sort of organically develop and just be be still and be quiet and, and be restful for a little bit before I just jump into like solving more problems and uh, ha- having all the answers. Mm. I think that's what's kept me from doing it in the first place, right? Is like wanting to think, like I've got to have everything all worked out. Yes, but you can't. Before I can actually do something. But yeah, you need to, you need to walk the path in order to yeah. understand what it looks like, which is very counterintuitive to how many entrepreneurs think about the world yeah but it's also i mean i'm i'm fascinated you know you started your business knowing nothing you know you were just like i've been doing it on this side and now i'm gonna start this thing and you did it with pythos and now i think you're doing it again so i wish you all the best and i look forward to seeing your movie topple four nine hundred from the box office hit list (laughs) yes i i uh hopefully it's another (laughs) reservoir dog but aaron i want to ask you my my last question to close out a, a really great interview and that is looking back over the last sort of 900 days what is the the lesson yeah. that you learned that you don't think you would have learned if it wasn't for covid that you really want to hold on to yeah i think the only resource that matters is time and what you do with it and, and I think that's that's kind of the understanding that um, at a deep level is what's really fueling these changes, these big, big changes I'm making in my life is that um, I only have a finite amount of time and I don't know what, what that amount of time is. And we, none of us really knows. And this idea that we're in control of it in any way um, is, is silly. And what I can control is how I spend today and do I do something meaningful with the time that I was given today. Um, and that's, that's really it is it's the time is the only matter resource that matters. Such a simple, but powerful thought. I also like that you talk about understanding it on a, a deep level, because I think it's quite an easy thing to hear. It's another thing to process and live by. Yeah, it's, it is, it's, um, just, takes practice to sit with that thought and and um i think for me like finding what's honest and where i have where where i have and where i don't have integrity around that idea right and like what what does living with 
that mindset with integrity look like? Mm. And um, that's really powerful. You know, that I wrote a blog article a couple of years ago called the, it was uh, the difference between committed and interested. Right. And when, when I find myself committed to an idea versus being it, like, I've been interested in making this movie for a long time. I'm now committed to making the movie. Yeah. And it's a subtle and, but massive change. Yeah. And it has to do with the time, right? I'm, I'm committed to living um, life given by the idea that time is finite and, and what I do with it matters. That's super cool. So I said that it was my last question, but my last, last question is when are you going to Positano again? <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. Um, <laughs> you know, this um, part of the film takes place in Europe. Uh, and so I may actually go to Europe and do some location scouting uh, as part of this. I'm going to do a documentary that is attached to the animated film that talks about um, it, it, there's some elements that are kind of based on World War II and, and, and so on. So I think that we'll, we'll work Positano into that trip to, to, <laughs> to that. So I'd say within the next 12 months, we'll be in Positano. That's amazing. Aaron. Thank you so much. That was such a wide-reaching and thoughtful episode. Thank you for your time and thank you for sharing. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. It was really fun. So, I mean, if you that wasn't enough, I need to land with all of you that you're listening to Radio, a podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with someone who you think needs to hear it. One of the values in EO is a thirst for learning. And I think sharing knowledge and actionable knowledge is one of the most generous things you can do. The show is produced by me, Ross Drakes, and I'm a proud EO member of EO Johannesburg. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're on this roller coaster journey, uh, you can find more information at eonetwork.org. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch all of you in the next one. Bye bye.